Hello. Welcome to our latest episode of Cricket with the West Coast Infidels. This is Vasant and along with me are Ramakrishnan G. Iyer and Vijay Kumar Balasubramanian. This is our final IPL 2023 episode where we will be reviewing the team, gushing about those who did well and also talk about those who disappointed. Yes, it is just a week before the WTC final, but you will need to wait for a few more days before the annual to Ashwin or not to Ashwin debate. Let's jump straight into our thoughts about the IPL 2023. What a tournament. In my opinion, this is easily the best IPL we have ever had. 10 of the 74 games in the tournament were such that all three results were possible with one ball to go. And in addition, there were 8 or 9 other games where the game was still competitive when the last over of the match started. We had some outstanding and fearless batting, a few brilliant bowling displays, young players showcasing their wonderful potential, and some older citizens rolling back the years. The new playing conditions of the impact player in DRS for wide snowballs did add value to the quality of cricket. In this particular edition, there was precious little not to like other than maybe the duration of the games, the needless on-field clashes in a couple of games, and of course, the show of astonishing competence by the ground staff at the Motena on the reserve day of the final. Ram, who do you think were the stars of the IPL? All right. So I think what a fantastic tournament to, to begin with. Some amazing batting achievers about people who scored more than a 400 runs. Shubban, Faf, Conway, Kohli, Jaiswal, Sky, Rinku. All of them had such a fantastic series. The the list that I probably want to kind of start off with, some of these names are obvious, Sky, Jaiswal, Gill. I thought I'd start with two people who both played for India during a phase, you know, when Adi Pandya was not available as a pace bowler or a pace bowling all-rounder to be precise. And there was this, this whole merry-go-round going around to pick replacements. And two of those people who went in and out of the Indian team during that phase one of them being Vijay Shankar and the other being Shivam Dube had a fantastic season with the pack. And I think what is important also to note about these two guys, all of these build up as bowling all-rounders or fast bowling all-rounders, neither of them bowled during the course of the IPL at all. We'll start with Vijay Shankar. You know, slightly sad that he was only used for 10 games, if you ask me. But 300 runs at an average of 37, striking at 116. Absolutely no joke. He was simply fantastic. I saw some interview where he sort of attributed his new game, his power game, to the fact that he actually gave up filter coffee, which I thought was rather sad. But hey, if you're missing filter coffee, allows you to strike in 160. By all means, right? My second one would, would be that of Shivam Dube. You know, no, but, mm -hmm. but with Shankar Ram, now he's no longer 3D then. That, that is the real success story here. Yeah, great point, right? <laughs> no more bowling. Yeah, I mean, he, today, you know, we had the clash of the 3Ds in the final as well, Raidu versus Shankar. But yeah, I mean, who will now call Vijay Shankar 3D? That That's a, that's a good question. Anyway, so my second one I thought I'd, I'd mentioned was, was Shivam Dube. You know, he was put to work to basically go after the spinners in the middle overs, hit sixes, and he was clinical in his exhibition of six hitting. Hit 35 sixes through the course of the tournament. Only one guy had more. That was Fab Duflessing with 36 sixes. 
Dubey had more success than Sky. He had more success than Maxwell. He had more success than that run machine, Rinku Singh, which is, you know, quite something. And of course, the third person I want to name here while on that list, honorable mention, is that of Rinku Singh. I was trying to stick to only those players, you know, who had a strike rate of 150 or over, but Rinku is almost there, 149.53. And of course, you know, who can forget that demolition job of poor Yeshdayal, number one. And then, of course, another game where, you know, he got, you know, KKR within two runs of winning the game with a six of the last ball yet again. So those would be my three names insofar as the bat is concerned. With the ball, Mohit Sharma, absolutely dream IPL. You know, a guy who was net bowler last year was completely missing from the game the year prior to that. Here he is, sort of out of the blue, right? 27 wickets, taking a wicket every nine balls through the tournament is just outstanding. Notwithstanding the, the last two balls today, uh, you know, Mohit Sharma has had an amazing tournament. My second bowling choice, surprising perhaps to some, would be Ravindra Jadeja. He got the, the two hits to the fence today, performed with a bad finisher. It's easy to forget what Jadeja actually did with the ball. 20 wickets through the through the tournament are of just 7.56. Fantastic defensive spin bowling. And yeah, you could argue many of those games were played at the Chepak, but the Chepak was not really a, a spin-friendly pitch this this year, number one. And his fellow spinner had contrastingly different numbers, much poorer, actually. And then, of course, my, my last choice would be that of Faj, who literally carried the RCB attack singularly on his shoulders and Atlas carrying the entire weight of, of the planet. He was Absolute, absolute standout. I mean, numbers-wise, 14 games, 19 wickets. Again, economy of seven and a half. Mind-blowing. So yeah, those would be sort of my quick list of standouts in terms of both bat and ball. I am with you with regards to Gil, Jaiswal, and Sky being very special. I do think Sky has got his mojo back and he will be an asset in the upcoming ODI World Cup. And Jaiswal could be groomed for the next edition once Rohit calls it a day. Shivam Dube, like you mentioned, has stood out. He started off poorly, actually. He was dragging down the momentum of the CSK innings and was getting a little bit of grief for that. But as the season wore on, he seemed to have found his groove or perhaps CSK figured out how to use him better. Among the bowlers... Like you pointed out, Shami and Siraj was simply outstanding. I thought BK looked very good in some spells. He did get hit mm -hmm. around too, whenever the ball was not swinging. But on certain days, he looked almost unplayable. All that said, I thought Siraj is the only one who will survive on a flattened and helpful surface. Jadeja, I think he's categorically proven the assertion of many pundits that he should be one of the first names on a team sheet, no matter what format. He just showed that with the ball, on the field, with the bat, and look much more driven. In my mind, I think he will be having the captain's armband for CSK next year. My hmm. expectation is that Dhoni will quietly retire in the off-season. Today was not a good day for the reason that a retirement would have taken off the focus from a wonderful tournament win for his team. The other bowler, who I thought was very good all through the tournament, was Varun Chakravarti. Absolutely. He bowled very well in the power plays. He was good in the middle. At the death, 
He picked wickets, maintained a reasonable economy rate. I think he had three Man of the Match awards and he was responsible for quite a few of the KKR wins. The other one is Piyush Chavla. Except for that one game where Gil got to him, he was absolutely brilliant. Very smart bowling. And Mohit Sharma. I think you have said enough about how he's changed or how he has become much better. But that's my list across the board. As teams, I thought the teams that reached the last three stood out. CSK, all-round competence, GT, the most exciting team. And Mumbai, I thought, played very, very well. Just that they didn't have bowling depth to deal with strong batting sides. Absolutely. Vijay. Yeah, I'll just pick on a few players you guys probably didn't stress on too much. I completely agree with everybody else you talked about. First revelation, I think before we had Madhwal and some support, he's the guy who kind of stitched the things together, even in their lean phase and before their batting clicked. So that was good investment by MI and Paige Chavla. I keep thinking this would be his last tournament every year, but is still hanging around doing his thing. Although I completely, you know, lost my mind looking at how he bowled in the finals, but Tushar Deshpande also kind of did well <laughs> leading up to the finals. At least he was able to follow instructions right up until that last game. So he deserves a mention. Of course, Chahal, Chahal had a good tournament as well. It's just worrying that Sun Royal, despite Having probably the best players in different slots, they didn't make it to the final four even. I think we have to take a look at their leadership and other things before next year. And the last in the bowling category I want to call out is basically Noor Ahmed. He kind of did what Rashid, we would have expected about Rashid yeah. Khan in the, in the finals. Was economical, was outthinking the batsmen. Uh, yeah, and wickets followed, right? Three of them. So the, those are my picks in the bowling department, besides what you guys talked about. Batting, yeah, it, it was pretty much a story of Gil, Faf, Jaiswal, and all that. Right. But Sky, of course. But again, the some of the turnaround in, in one case came a little too late. Too, that is Klassen. Klassen had a terrific mm -hmm. later half of the tournament. Then I think uh, to a certain excess stoyness too. I mean, he, he he was derailed in two innings, but you could see that he was, it was more lack of luck than anything else. So he, he was really going well with, I think he ended up a little over 400 runs only, but comes a little late down the order. But but the, those two derailments unfortunately happened in critical games, including that unfortunate run out. Yeah. So outside of the folks you talked about, those were the ones. Of course, Warner kind of made up 500 plus again, but it was only Warner for them. So yeah. it was like in not that inspiring of 500 plus runs, if you will. Tri-Credit was simply not up there enough in the case of Warner. He was just yeah. too small. That kind of takes away all the runs he made. Of course, he was playing in this thankless Delhi setup where nobody else made runs, but he was just too slow. Yeah. And I'm not entirely sure what happened with Mitchell Sandmar. He was actually did well in the chances that he got. But SK being CSK, they just kept going with instead of him. He's also a better bat. I, I think they wanted that variation instead of another Aussie. That's the only ex explanation I have for Sandmar. 
I think with the Santner situation was that this guy being another regular left arm spinner didn't make the cut. But he, for sure, he's a much, much better batter and a spectacular fielder. I think he's a little unlucky that he didn't make the playing 11 as often as he should have. Then again, that has been a story for a long time with CSK. Year after year, he's been playing for CSK and he just plays about three, four games every year and he just comes back, seems to be happy about it. Compare him to Dwayne Pretorius, who never played in any game, I think, in the whole season. Yeah. Oh, he did. Mangala played two games. Pretorius played one game. Yeah. I bet different teams did it differently. CSK did their usual rigid, we will only play these guys some 10 or 11 <laughs> times. They play the same group of people. While the guys in SRH, I think they just have a box and they just pick 11 cards at the beginning of the day and that's it. These are the guys who are playing. Each one to his own. But I would say that the two most stable franchises, CSK and GT, were the ones who ended up playing the three-day final. Yes. And I think you usually give the Mumbai Indians some credit for being stable as well. But on this occasion, possibly because of the fact that a lot of those people were new and they're still trying to kind of bring them into the groove, you know, many of them are not persisted with. I also think they had a big revolving door with their quicks in terms of injuries and everything else. Okay. Very true. So they had their own problems. Their batting carried them all the way to the qualifier too. Exactly. The tournament as a whole, let's just talk about it a little, right? So they ushered in a few changes to the format. The impact player, of course, was the biggest one. It felt like CSK did the typical CSK thing that they decided what they are going to do, no matter what happens in the game. This is going to be their impact player sub, right? Ryder will sit out or Dubé will sit out, depending on the situation. And then they'll bring in Patirana in. And they did that methodically throughout. The others were a little bit more adventurous. They kept changing things around. In some cases, it worked like in one finish of Punjab, actually. They did a good job of bringing in the right players at the right time. But I think that was really the last time they actually played. <laughs> they, they didn't do well after that. But most of the others didn't have a... Ah, of course, I shouldn't forget Gujarati. They had a very systematic way of replacing as well. Much like CSK, it would be Sai sitting out and then they'll bring in a bowler. Yeah. Yeah. And that was unfortunate because when you look at the scorecard, it will say little impact. <laughs> so what are your thoughts about the impact player role? We'll start with you. Actually, I'm pretty big with the impact player. I thought it was something that worked for players to showcase better skills. We didn't have these truly bits and pieces players getting away with stuff. There was no sixth bowler who was getting tonked all over the park because he was barely a bowler, if you will. It also meant that the same category of players were not going to get that second dimension, like Venkateshire and Vijay Shankar. The only concern I have with this is now that they're used to this model, how are they going to handle internationals wherein you don't have this? And if you remember our national team, has a fundamental issue of lack of balance. But for the IPL, I thought this worked well, this business of impact player. At least that's my take. Yeah, I think to me, it felt like, you know, at least in the case of a couple of batters, 
the fact that they had this extra cushion or an insurance policy of the extra batter behind them helped them improve their strike rates substantially. I mean, I'll give you a couple of examples, right? If you let's take the example of Schumann you know, career IPL strike rate of 135. This year, his strike rate was 157. That is a substantial sort of improvement, right? Take the example of Jaiswa. You know, last year, he, he was striking at 131. The year before, 139. Generally, would, that would be his range between 130 and 40. This year, striking at 163. Like, again, you know, like, like a 20-point improvement. Then there is the example of Gaikwad, Rituraj Gaikwad. Again, he was traditionally always striking in the 125 to 30 range. Well, okay, he's looking at his numbers here. His best year was 2021, where he was striking at 138. This year, 147. Again, like a 10-point improvement on anything that he's done in the past. And I'm just picking on, you know, the futuristic talent or the pipeline that the Indian team really has. And it really seems like the impact sub has really helped them that air codes express themselves. My fear now is that having learned to sort of play the IPL with this impact sub rule and this extra battle behind them, I hope they don't struggle at the international stage because this thing is not available for them. So yeah, I really hope, you know, the ICC takes the impact sub idea on board and maybe, if possible, introduce this as something we should do as part of the World Cup in 2024. Otherwise, I'm, I'm worried that batters who are really playing the T20 way will slip into the national team and then stop playing like that. And then, of course, for some the other point that you made, which is all-rounders are going away. Now, in the international arena, we need the all-rounders. We need people who can bat and bowl. But if Venki Ayer doesn't bat, if Shivam Dobe doesn't bat, sorry, I mean bowl, and, and Hardik gets injured, one of these people make it back to the Indian team, what happens then? So yeah, I think good and bad, but that was one topic I wanted to explain. There is one more thing that I'd like to add. I mean, England in the T20 World Cup, their central model was keep on hitting. Prem ball one. Now they could do it because they had Adil Rashid, who is a pretty decent bat coming in at number 11, which yeah, meant they batted. Yeah, he's got 10 first class hundreds. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, yeah, he's, he's got 10. Okay, so these guys are batting until number 11. So they could afford to do this. In the IPL, what they did is they just brought in the impact sub that they made it look like an English team by lengthening the batting depth. So my suspicion is though that England might push back because this is actually removing a competitive advantage that they have over all other teams that are playing. Yeah. Which is the number of two-way players, competent two-way players in the white ball game. Absolutely. Yeah, great point. I think, but yeah, I think fascinating where this impact sub is going to lead us. And of course, there were a few who, instead of being an impact sub, ended up being sub-impact. Yeah, I think the one, the other change that they brought in didn't really quite click for anybody is the review of the wides, right? So it uh -huh. seemed like a bit, bit of a waste of time for everybody. And they would typically wait for the end of the innings to review everything. And then, of course, nothing really. Like, I can't think of a single instance where it had, sorry to repeat that word, but it didn't have any big impact 
on the on the proceedings of the IPL. Absolutely. Agreed. So from a team perspective, I feel that certain teams have to really rethink for the future. So we just start from the bottom three. I don't know what Sarach is going to do. They need a domestic wicket keeper at least. They need a, to trust their bowling attack. I think they didn't uh, utilize them well. But overall, I think their squad needs a relook. I think they, they don't have the firepower. I mean, they had people coming in from Victoria South African Premier League and still uh, could capitalize on that. So that's a worrisome. They have splendid support staff. That is not the problem. It's the people in the middle who was the problem. KKR, same thing. Looks like they've not adapted to the new requirements. So back when they used to have Sonil Narayan open or go at one down, that was a game-changing thing for them. That doesn't work when everybody has an impact player and they can change people around. They they have a meaty, rather eccentric middle order. I hmm. don't think they have the captain to marshal them around. So I don't know even I the other IR comes back if, if he'll be able to bring about a turnaround, but definitely Nitish Rana wasn't able to do that. And finally, Punjab, I mean, it's such a waste of talent. They had the best bowling attack. They had some really good foreign players in their mix, but just lost their way. So those three definitely have to take a look. Delhi, I think they have the pieces. They just need to stitch them together. You have Nokia and bowling, Aksar Patel. They, they have the players. I think the problem with Delhi is probably more with their coaching staff and the fact that they simply have too many of them. A classic case of Tony cooks in the kitchen and what have you, right? They have Shane Watson, Ricky Ponting, Ganguly. I think they have Praveen Amre. Really, literally, do it. How many people do you need? I think that's part of the problem. And I think this this problem statement that you brought up, Vijay, about the Indian wicketkeeper, right? I mean, I think Delhi has that problem too. They played this 17 or 18-year-old kid, Abhishek Parel, briefly for a very, very few games and then did not stick with him, dumped him. But but it brings up this larger question of who are the domestic wicketkeepers who can play well at the IPL? Who are these guys? Right? You know, Ishan Kishan got <laughs> had this freak injury <laughs> in one of those Mumbai games where injured by his own pace bowler. And 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 they brought in Vishnu Vinod, you know, as a concussion sub. Now Vishnu Vinod does have a reputation for keeping. He keeps in domestic for uh, the Kerala team, I think. And yet, you know, he kind of flattered to deceive, right? And then of course there are. Then you had Kes Bharat, who was basically simply sitting on the bench as far as Gujarat Titans was was concerned. Absolute waste of a resource, if you ask me. But beyond that, I can't think of too many players out there who could fit into a team and and actually be that domestic keeper. Shindon Jackson was tried by KKR last year. Again, it didn't last too long. But that that's an interesting point to explore in itself. I mean, if, if you're a good wicketkeeper, you know, you probably have a future in the IPL. Message for 15-year-old kids out there. That is true because if you look at Dinesh Kartik, who was an absolute disaster this year. Correct. 
but he'll probably retain his place because you do not have competent keepers or somebody good enough to take his place. Then we have the possibility of Dhoni walking away, which means another wicket-keeping slot might get opened. So we have issues with Indian wicket-keepers and it most certainly doesn't help when the two best keepers in the country are playing for the same team and one of them is an understudy. Yeah, exactly. Good luck, Titan. It is a tragedy that K.S. Bharat is not playing in some of the team because he doesn't get opportunities and he's far more competent than the whole bunch of other players. Playing elsewhere. Yeah, exactly. And if I were Gujarat Titans, I wouldn't release him. I'll just keep him. I'll keep him, right now, right? I'll keep him away from other teams. Yeah. And I'm also sure if Sahab would has some minor ailment, this guy is more than competent. Yeah. And also, don't forget, Saha himself is he's older than DK. I think he's 38, 39 years old. That is right. He played an innings of a lifetime today again, clicks in finals. But yeah, Saha is not a long-term option. So they want to absolutely keep KS Barat. It, it was not my suggestion that Gujarat Titans should let him go. But it was just an observation that just don't seem to have that many Indian keeper bat- batters out yeah, there. Right. And the other one, Jagadeesan, just didn't do well. Mm. Yeah. He struggled for KKR in the opportunities that he got. Yeah, given the form he was in leading up to the IPL, we all felt that it was a miss by CSK not to pick him. But as it so happens, different stage, different settings, form just doesn't translate. Exactly. For Jagadeesan, yep. And it was funny to note that Saha was actually Dhoni's understudy in the very first IPL. So, <laughs> life comes full <laughs> That is true. <laughs> We've talked about those who did well. Let's spend a few minutes on the hopefuls or those who gave us hope for the future. Sudarshan showed a very clean technique right through the first game. He looked very compact, steady, but he didn't seem to have the power to play the T20 game, at least so I thought, until this performance in the final wherein he seems to have won over a lot of people. The other player who caught my eye was this left-hander called Nehal Vadera from Mumbai. He scored runs at a good clip. And more importantly, he seemed to be a clean batter. Even when the going was tough against, say, CSK in a game in Chennai, he actually played well. He was not just swinging away and just getting lucky runs. So I quite liked the look of this guy. Jitesh Sharma. I thought he established his creds. Talking of Indian wicketkeepers. Most certainly a wicketkeeper in waiting behind Pant and Kishan for the national team. And then Tilak Verma, who arrived last year, but this year he looked like the finished article. Whenever Mumbai had a problem, he was there battling it out. And the qualifier, he batted beautifully. So I think this guy is another super talent. And I'm just going to go over to the one foreign player who caught my eye is Matisha Patirana. This guy is the real deal. I think he'll be a long-term asset to the Sri Lankan team unless they mismanage his growth. So let's see what will happen. But that's in the hands of SLC. So Sai Sudarshan, right? I'm, I'm actually not very convinced that Gujarat Titans handled him well. He played eight games to begin with. He was making runs at number three. You're right, strike rate was an issue. We were hitting in the mid to late 120s, I think, in the first few games. 
But he was making runs. I mean, he finally finished the IPL with an average above 50. For some reason, Jirav decided to start this Hardik experiment of having him bat at three, which is why Sai Sudarshan had to make way. And, and Hardik ended up batting at three, at which he was like poor. I mean, Hardik did a bad job batting at three. So left with no choice, they kind of brought him back. And, and then, of course, and the, and the kid continued to make runs. The, the most famous example being the qualifier where he was finally retired. I don't know if he was retired out or if he was retired hurt, one of the two. But the very ignominy that batters have to go through of being retired, right? But then he comes back and this, he just this spectacular assault tattoo in a final. He made his last 73 runs of 28 balls, which again shows how slow he was in the initial phase, right? He took 19 balls to get to the first 23 runs. And then the next 73 runs took him about like the same number of balls, 25, 26 balls. He did something spectacular in that second half. But I think he does need to figure out how to get off the block sooner. I think that that would be his big development area, at least for me. But in the meantime, because of technique and everything, I, I tweeted in the morning that I would love to see a 200-run partnership at the MCG or a Boxing Day test with Gil, right? Gil and Sai Sudarshan, left-right combo in five years' time. He has that classic technique that can help him make runs at the MCG. You know, whether he improves that power game of his or whether he learns to hit sixes. I mean, Gil was pretty poor at hitting sixes two years ago. This year he was able to. Just takes, I think, sustained practice. Maybe he can too. He certainly has the temperament. But but yeah, Sai Sudarshan, I'm just as excited about him as you are, Prasad. Yeah, exactly the point I had with Gil and Sudarshan in that early years when Gil was playing for Kolkata, he didn't have the power game to clear the boundaries. But over the years, he seems to have just gotten stronger. And Sai Sudarshan is pretty much where Gil was at the beginning of his career. So it's very possible that just that little bit more strength and improved technique might be able to have him muscle the ball over when needed. Like the way Gil does whenever he needs to. Exactly. Exactly. Let me go to my other one, the other guy that really caught my eye. And that's Kash Madwal from the, the Mumbai scouting team. This Mumbai team, they did a lot of experimentation this year. A lot of injuries, you know, they were forced to play young kids who didn't really have too much of a thing going on for them, you know. Hrithik Roshan, Rosh, sorry, Hrithik Shokin, <laughs> he did not click. He got six games, he did not stake. Kartikeya Kumar, he kind of got six or seven games. He did not stake. Son of God got only one game. He did not stake, right? But two people bucked that train. One you called out wasn't, of course. And the other was, you know, this guy Madhwal, right? Superb find, you know. He apparently used to play tennis ball cricket in Uttarak until he was in his early 20s. And then suddenly picked up a red ball and quickly worked his way up into the Uttarakhand team. And here he is. Just played eight games. He was, he was given a debut a little too late. Yet, yet finishing with 15 wickets out of about eight and a half. Which I think is simply outstanding. Yeah. So definitely looking forward to see Rinko Singh come in some form as yeah, uh, for sure. like a finisher. The finisher that we've been waiting for in the, the Indian lineup in limited overs. You guys mentioned Dwal and Nehal as well. So all these guys brought in, but you know, Tilak Verma, it, it feels like he's already played for India. In fact, he has not. 
books. <laughs> so yeah. For me, this has been the coming of age for Tilak Verma and the national setup. So I would really like to see what happens. I think they won't experiment too much for the World Cup. But right after, I think we, 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 we can expect overall with all the young guns and led by Hardik, you know, just thinking it through. Gil, Jaiswal at the top. You have Raj as well in the top three. Uh, then you have Sky. Sky, I don't know. I mean, he, he, <laughs> he he's not a spring floor anymore, right? So he's basically that his last, <laughs> last two, two years. But I'm looking at the wrinkles, Sai Sudarshan, all of these guys coming through in, in the national setup. But I think Vasan mentioned it early on and during the season itself about the lack of Indian bowlers coming through. Despite all the wickets and everything, it's been the proven and tested the Indian bowlers who have got all the wickets. Yeah. So <laughs> Shami, so they, they're all right and tested. Arshadeep is the only one who's kind of hovering there as a relatively young bowler up there. But otherwise, we, we didn't see any big bowlers making an impact. I think so who uh, could we be should definitely Yermari. do a shout out for Ravi Bishna in that list of yours, Abhijay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's he not a bad thing. He may have been fast bowlers, but yeah, in the spinners yeah. category, you want to put Ravi Bishna. Yeah, Bishna is there. He's only played for India, isn't he? He has. Yeah, yes. He has played for oh, you're, India. Okay, you're talking about uncapped players here. Okay. No, not necessarily, but I was just curious. Bishna has played or not. So I, I was actually open to see more of the results in Chennai, but pretty much everybody and their uncle was injured. So we didn't see many of them this IPO. Finally, I think just one note was, again, LSG. I don't think, I mean, besides Arad, this is another team that has a leadership problem. I think they had the right people, Shana included, who could have been groomed well and given a better chance to perform. But unfortunately, that that didn't materialize. I think Rahul is kind of overrated, in my opinion, as the leader these days. And, you know, you, the best thing he did for other teams was he kept out Quinton Decock from the top of the order. So, <laughs> to, to, to me, I, I had more hope of LSG than what they eventually delivered. And and Rahul's individual contributor production wasn't all that great either, right? Nine right. games, 274 runs, strike rate of 113. Wow. Abysmal. Yep. Yeah, more harm than good. Yeah. Talking of more harm than good, what about those guys who did more harm than good? Yeah, or harm themselves. Teams, or harm themselves, as the case may be. To me, the gold standard in this business was set by Prithi Shaw. Could you <laughs> have been worse? Is the question. Yeah, Very bad. Yeah. Poor job. Terrible. The other chap that who stood out, who people didn't talk about through this tournament though, was Kagiso Rabada. Mm. An outstanding gun bowler. This guy was atrocious this year. Yes, he came late, but he was so bad that they benched him towards the second part of the tournament in favor of Nathan Ellis. Yep, yep. And of course, we have Deepak Huda, the third one in my list. Contracted player. That's horrible. Mm. And of course, SRH, the entire team management, ownership, auction, <laughs> parent yeah. company, everybody. 
don't get me started there but that's my list of deceivers if you will yeah again quite a few for me umesh yadav didn't make much of a of an impact i thought he would spearhead kkr I think his best contribution was as the non-striker so that Rinko Sikh could hit Rinko those. Rinko could hit those five-sixers, yeah. <laughs> that he, yeah. <laughs> they, then they, I don't know, this might be true mature to call, but Nalkande seemed to be a bunch of nerves. I think he had the best platform to express himself and that very unfortunate no ball kind of made him lose his way. And then, yeah, yeah, bunch of overseas players, including Southie, Livingstone, and what's his name? Didn't play much, but Sergusen, Logi Ferguson oh. as well. Okay. Yeah. They, they all came in as, you know, linchpins for their respective teams. But, but you know, both Southie and Ferguson were both KKR. So it's kind of... particularly uh, was uh, at the end of this very intriguing intra-franchise transfer between Gujarat and KKR, uh, along with Urbaz. I, I just, even now, I don't understand what made KKR go to Gujarat and say, hey, we've got, you got these two players and we are really interested <laughs> in them. Okay, who are they? Urbaz. And Ferguson said, what were thinking, man? And as if it was not enough, then they go to Delhi and say, we want the Lord. We, we want the Lord as well. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. All of these decisions are probably made on the same day. They said, we'll let Gil go and we'll keep. I'm on the fence about one player, Sandeep Sharma. He had a good last over against Chennai, but feels like he peaked there and never really showed afterwards. So it seems to, again, with the, with the right captain, I think you'd have done better. But again, like, you know, he had a bit of a... Sign curve with with Rar. Andre Russell was there, didn't really make an impact, as did Alzari Joseph. So a bu- bunch of these players, they, they kind of were there, had a little spark, but then eventually fizzled out. So I'm going to pick on two players who played for India at the last T20 World Cup. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say that their careers playing for India is over. The first one is Harshal Patel, who was actually a bit of a letdown for RCB. RCB was forced to play him for like 13 of their 14 games simply because they didn't have any alternatives. But an average of 32 runs to a wicket and an ER of upwards of nine and a half is just simply too poor. I mean, I think Purple Patel has been worked out. Batters know what the... I mean, he, they've managed to understand the difference between his slow, slower, and slowest deliveries to a place that they just know exactly what to do. You know, courtesy 9.66 ER. I think the bad news is that Harshal won't play for India again. I think he got dropped from the annual contract list, if I'm, if my memory serves me right. And we will find out if he gets selected into the team that is going to play in the West Indies um, in the July-August time frame. But I suspect he won't be picked. In fact, I also feel that RCB is having second thoughts about why they paid 10.75 crores for Herschel and whether they are going to go back to the drawing board in, in, in some way. So that that's my first, you know, you know, the guy who did himself more harm than good category. I'm sticking to the theme of RCB violated and I'm going to go with Dinesh Karthik as my second choice. And I think Dinesh Karthik's career playing for India is also eventually over 
which is really why some of the points that we were making a little earlier about needing that finisher, you know, opportunity for a Rinku or, you know, a Jitesh. Jitesh would literally be like a like-for-like, like, you know, move for the Indian team. I, I really think both of these guys, or at least one of them, has a very, very high chance of traveling to the West Indies in in the July-August time frame. The third would have been Dhruv Jural, but he kind of blue hot, blue cold. Definitely these two other guys are way in him from a finisher's standpoint. But anyway, back to the point around DK. 140 runs this year. That made him back apparently the fourth highest scorer for RCB. Shows you how poor the rest of them were. And, and what a contrast compared to last year when he made 350 runs out of 16 innings and only six times did he get out. I mean, he was not out 10 times and which was his big value as a finisher. And then in the foreign category, I think I'll have to pick Sam Curran as that ultimate lack of ROI player, right? And particularly when you contrast that with the other all-rounder that went at a really, really high price at the same time, that was Cam Green. Right, Cam Green set a record, Sam Curran set a record. Green kind of went from strength to strength in the MI setup. Curran, he only steadily deteriorated, you know, with both bat and ball. I mean, with the ball, he had an ENR of 10.75, which is probably one of the worst for someone who played all game at the, at the IPL. So yeah, that would be my list for the singers. Honorable mention for a couple of guys. Oh, you talked back. about foreign all-rounders. There was another guy that some team picked up for 16.25 crores. Oh my God. Yes, yes, yes. So, yeah. The only thing is that they didn't have to pay him that much because most of the time he was holding on some body part and saying it was paining. So, if he was not fit, you don't get paid. That's the model there. Okay. Virat Kohli's friend. Yes, Virat Kohli's friend. The other one is our national captain. Oh. So, it's not been eight seasons. The strike rate doesn't cross 130. The average doesn't cross 25. There are no 400 run seasons. Yeah. I don't Absolutely. understand why he's so bad in the IPL. Because if you look at his T20I record at that time, it's fabulous. Mm. The average is close to 40. The strike rate is north of 145. What's it with the IPL? I don't understand. But that's one case where I think the IPL numbers should not be the rationale for selecting or not selecting somebody in the national team. Yeah. Absolutely. Very much. Vijay? Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to top that price tag. <laughs> but, but I thought they had a different plan going in. I mean, Ben Stokes, at least, that, that it would be uh, more of batting role for him this season, given he came in with the knee, but even that didn't work out after the first two seasons. So there was a lot of things they did before they settled down. And then I think they decided no more changes. We're going to stick to this. <laughs> and let's see how far it takes us. But it does open up with Raidu opening up a spot, maybe Dhoni next year. So CSK is in for a change one way or the other next year. So I, I see some organic changes for some teams. But if you if you think about it, probably at the end of this IPL, apart from Gujarat, there is no other certain side that I can think of. Let's spend just two minutes talking about the team of the tournament. Um, why don't you go and then we'll just comment on what we think. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so I think the I tried to stick with, uh, you know, players who've been 
batting similar roles in their existing team. So I've got Gill and Fat as my openers, which means I don't have a place for Yashashri Jaiswal in my Dream 11. But I wanted Fat because I wanted a captain. And then I've got Cam Green at number three, did the same job for Mumbai, made a close to 400 runs, strike rate of 116 during 100. So Cam Green made it to my squad. Kai was batting at four. I had Hardik at five. And I had Klassen at, at six. And Klassen is also going to be my wicketkeeper. And then I have Jadeja at seven, Rashid Khan at eight, Chavla at nine. Then I have Shami, Siraj, and Mohit as my three pace bowlers one of whom will be the 12th player who will be rotated in. So if you go batting first, I'd go with all of them except the Boyd. And if we go with the bowling first, I'd go with all of them, but for Gil. And then Gil would come in as my impact up when we're ready to bat. So that would be the, the squad that, that I think covers all the bases, has the four right foreigners, and has both batters and bowlers, decent balance. A lot of them can bowl and did bowl at least two in the top five who can actually bowl as well. So that, that's, a, that's an additional advantage. Thoughts? I'm only one change. Really? I think Yuzi Chahal ahead of Chavla. Chavla. Mm. That is the only change that I would consider. I still think Yuzi is a much more attacking bowler and he can give you breakthroughs and all sorts of wickets compared to Chavla. But the rest of it, I can't disagree. It looks about the best. I did have 11, but I didn't have an impact player, but I'll just give my 11. Okay. So I wanted to open with Ian Gill, just the excitement of two young Turks going about it. And then I'm with you that Faf should be captain and coming in at number three in my list. Mm. Then Green at four, Sky at five, Klaassen, wicketkeeper, and that comes in at six, Jadeja, and Xer, basically for me, I think he was the most economical bowler and was super consistent with the bat. Oh, I think he just had about seven. So I had Akshar Patel, Rashid Khan, and then Shami and Siraj. So if they bat first, this is the, the batting order. And then I might just bring in possibly I needed a good bowling option here. So sit out Sky and bring in one of, you know, either the, the Mohit Sharmas or the uh, Piyush Chavlas of the world. And just purely as a bowler. Shepardir is bowling 13 games, 11 wickets at 7.19. That's what I'm talking about. That the economy rate was outstanding. Uh, outstanding. Yeah. We have to also remember one thing. That Delhi wicket was on turgid flat pitch. Yeah. And... I suspect that if you had let Jadeja or Ashwin bowl on that, nobody would have got any runs out of those guys. <laughs> Actually, his spin twin, Kuldeep Yadav, has an ER of 7.37. Exactly. That's my point. This usually gives it away. The scores at Delhi were all 130, 140, 130, 140, which is what our, our friend David Warren was complaining about. And when he complained, Chennai came and hit 220. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, that's, I think, that's pretty much what the IPL be two months of okay. absolute lists. Exactly. <laughs> to reiterate, I think this was the best IPL of the ball. So it was good fun. It was certainly good fun. And I'm not sure for starting tomorrow what to do. 
<laughs> yeah, uh, so, yeah. Maybe catch up with an recording because you know a lot of the games I obviously could not watch live because of the timing. The games w- would end up being only that fifteen or twenty minute capsule. So now you go back, rewind, look at the moments you want to watch, watch, watch through it till at least the seventh of June, and then something else will come up, and we can keep us as busy there. Now I was going to say Shanti Sweets. You guys know Shanti Sweets, right? The famous uh, Trilvedi yes. sweet shop, completely deserted after Diwali Day. Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> no idea, man. <laughs> I can't even I hear these interesting nuggets every now and then. <laughs> With that, it is time to wrap up IPL for this year. From the next episode, we'll go back to the Red Ball game. And start with our countdown to the World Test Championship final, which of course we will commence with our annual debate of to Ashwin or not to Ashwin. Our free intro music is obtained from Josik. Our regular hosts for the podcast are Vijay Kumar Balasubramanian at BJ Kumar, Ramakrishnan G. Iyer at Fully Abit, and Vasant Kumar at VKPL 007. Next episode, World Test Championship Final 2023. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you.